You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 19 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm here with my two co-hosts live in the flesh, James and Varun. Varun, how are we doing today? Doing good. Good. With uh, You guys got to watch the race together this weekend? Yes. yes. James, uh, James as well, how are we doing? Oh, not bad. And I had a friend over too. Yeah, his first race? First ever race watching, and I just yeah. told him, like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> where you should say... Yeah, for this podcast for as this well. Podcast. Don't even know where to begin. We don't know where to begin, and uh, the title says it all. If you've clicked on it by now, you see, oh, can't believe it. We can't believe it. I'm sure you can't believe it, but... I'm still trying to believe it myself. Honestly, but Ocon, he's probably still trying to believe it as well. But what a weekend. Um, as we said, uh, James and Varun had a, one of our friends over, and it was his first time watching a Formula One race. And any of you out there that are just new fans of the sport, possibly this year... Um, you know, this, this is like the Monza of last year. And that's what we were saying earlier is, you know, we were newer fans last season and to see Monza was like, holy, like jaw on the floor. You see an all new podium, um, pretty much all new podium with some epic, just drama and, uh, everything happening everywhere from lap one on. Uh, it's just one of those races that you don't want to miss. And for myself, I have to say, I was, I was telling the guys before we started recording that, I was at a cottage where I had like one bar of service and I was not able to watch the race. So the, my first, we obviously have a group chat for the race. And my first thing was like, I'm not going to open the group chat. I'm not going to open the group chat. And I decided to just refresh the formula one app to see where the race was. I knew it had just started. So I just wanted to kind of get an update on how the first lap went. And my first refresh read, Ocon Vettel Latifi and I knew that <laughs> I knew that I was missing something crazy so and it was lap uh, four <laughs> it was lap three four yeah like just absolutely nuts to see that on my refresh so as soon as I did that like honestly like as a formula as a diehard formula one fan like my heart sank yeah. I was like geez I'm missing something so I the the ride you know a lot of people are getting really sad when it's a long weekend here in Canada so a lot of people get sad when they have to drive home from their cottages or with seeing friends, but I was so eager. Just wanted Wi-Fi. Yeah, I just, well, and the drive, like we were, the cottage we went to, the drive itself cut in and out of service. So I wasn't about to like start watching the race in the car on the way home. I was like, okay, I'll just save it. Yeah. Three hour roadie home. And then as soon as I got home, just casted it to the TV. And I was like pretending like I hadn't seen anything and just tried to watch it from start to finish. But what an epic race. That man. is some serious willpower Honestly. to not be able to like sneak a peek at the end. Cause the group chat was popping off. Yeah, exactly. And well, then you, well, you guys saw me. No, you guys saw me. I think I popped into the group chat once. Cause at that point I'd already seen like that shit had went down. So yeah. I popped in and I was like, are both Red Bulls out? Because I, I was at a point where I could refresh the app, but I couldn't see past like P10. Mm. So I didn't know if like the Red Bulls were still in or yeah. not. And let's um, be real though, like if you had had good service there, you would have been taking an extended trip to the bathroom. Oh <laughs> yeah, no. At one point I, I thought it was raining and I was yeah. literally going to go st- uh, stand at the top of the hill, like the top of the driveway and just watch. But <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I have to have some self-restraint. But you know, if, if people ever question our fandom, our... Or how much we love this sport is yeah. just that's that'll that'll do it. I I've people were saying too like what are you like what are you watching what are you trying to refresh on your phone like we're at a cottage kind of thing and I was like man you don't understand like these races aren't like it's not like a hockey game 
It's not like an NBA game or anything. Like these happen once. They're on Sundays. There's only one Hungarian Grand Prix every year. And you know, yeah. like anything can happen. And then on top of that, I refreshed and saw the top three and Latifi in the top three. Yeah. So I was like, that's, this is craziness. Um, so yeah, boys, I don't, I think we should probably try to stay on track as much as possible. So we'll start with uh, a little throwback of ours that we used to do uh, back when James and I did the first episode of this podcast. Talk a little bit about the, just the history of, of the track. And um, I, we'll actually talk about the track a little bit too, because I feel like when I thought of Hungary before this weekend, I was thinking of a track that was like a lot more open and maybe like easier to overtake. Like I thought it was like a racier circuit, but it's really not. Like it is no. a very small circuit with not a lot of opportunities yeah. for overtaking. And I remember that criticism of it from last year. So that's what I knew going in. I mean, obviously I was expecting a boring race and we got far from that, but yeah. we did see it like once the dust settled and then we actually got back to actual racing, there was just... It was so difficult to overtake. Obviously, we yeah. saw a little bit, but like the track, the constraints um, definitely made it very difficult. But it made for some good battles. For sure. And I think um, one thing, too, that kind of made my mind think that it was so racy is that there's so much good good stories and yeah. cool history here. Like, mm-hmm. you have McLaren being the top, uh, the top constructor when it comes to most wins here with 11. You also have, like, Fernando Alonso's first win here in 2003. Yeah. Button, um, Jensen Button, Jen- his first win was there as well. Was that with Braun, or was he, did he win I, before? No, it was before. I don't remember what team uh, it was. Imagine, with, but... I feel like it was before that, but that Braun year was ridiculous. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I feel like we all, we've always seen really cool storylines, and Formula One's been posting a lot of um you know promote every race they always do like best moments that have happened here uh at the hangara ring and every track we go to and there was some really cool videos that we saw leading up to it um so yeah i just wanted to mention that i think maybe in some people's minds it's a little bit more racy of a circuit but qualities and track position really does matter and uh what's that stat you just looks like honda honda 2006 that Jensen oh, Button came in with. 2006. Hmm. Damon Renault, Hill, maybe? Damon Hill also had his uh, mm. first win there Not as Renault. Well. Lotus? I, don't, I can't remember who had the Honda engine back then. And I think it might have just been Honda itself. No, it was the Honda team. Oh, yeah, the Honda yeah. team back then, yeah. 2006. Very interesting. And yeah, um, so lots of stuff going on in that Hangaro uh, ring. For sure. And, yeah, so we mentioned the Fernando Alonso win. Obviously, this weekend was his birthday as well. So, uh, with a uh, little, you know tidbit for things to come he ended up having an absolutely epic the weekend ageless wonder. the ageless wonder he we, was the he was the birthday boy but he ended up giving the gift to his teammate yes in the end. yeah for sure <laughs> he was the gift the giver the giver he passed it forward um i mean he's just as much that's that's one of the most uh well picked by the fans driver of the day that i might have ever seen yeah considering that he didn't necessarily finish like on the podium or something but his he deserved that uh, that um, for sure that that place as driver and of the day. Did you happen to hear Esteban's onboard after he won the race as well? That his engineer came over and basically said like they Esteban asked him where did Fernando end up finishing and he said P five and he was the reason why he won because yeah. he held up Hamilton yeah. for so for many so and he was and in the in the victory lap like. Uh, Ocon was like pointing to Alonso. We saw it like he was pointing yeah. to him, basically yeah. like acknowledging the fact that he made that possible. Exactly. So. Definitely yeah. some respect between the two teammates there. Great time. And we've talked about it before on this podcast, just how much we like that livery. To see those oh, two yeah. cars <laughs> driving around on that victory lap was it's gorgeous, absolutely epic. Um, and, you know, yeah, to see that, I mean, Alpine has a win. 
in yeah. Formula One. Uh, Esteban Ocon, the Frenchman, has a win with his yes. with his home country team. Uh, absolutely epic. And then one thing I want to mention just before we get off the Alonso topic is if we go back and listen or watch our predictions for the oh. midfield, we gave him absolutely no credit really when it comes like I think for us like we never watched him when yeah. he was in his prime, so it was hard for us to give a good yeah. real take on it, but. We have to admit that this is oh. absolutely awesome to see that he's um, been doing so well. Like Esteban Ocon won this race, but the main driver this year for Alpine has been Fernando Alonso. For like sure. yes. he has consistently put that car in really good places, um, and I, this finish for him was his best finish since uh, you know I think it was like 2012 or something like that. Yeah, it was 2014. I yeah. Think I saw. yeah. Like Singapore 2014, yeah, but he, yeah. he might have been with Ferrari at the time. So yeah. it's like it's I feel a like it was long 20, 20, I feel like it was time. Twenty might have been 2012, but anyways, a long, a long time. time yeah. <laughs> basically. And I wonder if like part of his resurgence as a as like a solid driver is partly due to that attitude change we've kind of heard about. Like mm-hmm. I heard that um you know when he was kind of in his lackluster years before his uh, short hiatus, he was kind of difficult to deal with because he kind of had that attitude that, like, I'm a world champion, mm-hmm. um, even though his, his ability was kind of declining a bit. And I wonder if, like, going into Alpine with a different mindset and being, like, I heard he's, he's like, awesome to work with now. Not only is it, like, a mentor for his teammate, but, like, in terms of helping Alpine with their development, I think maybe that's just, like, helped him as himself as a driver and getting the results he wants to yeah 100 percent. that change of mindset yeah. we, we talked about it in an earlier episode i can't remember when it was. it was i think it was when he had one of his good really nice performances where he was maybe sixth or seventh recently and we said that like he looks like he's appreciative to be in that seat yeah. he looks like he's really kind of enjoying himself and taking that opportunity and like you said becoming a mentor just that little change in mentality can be huge uh when it comes to being a teammate when it comes to being a driver and his teammate ability definitely showed through this weekend yeah. so yeah boys i think we should um again stick to stick to the track stick to the usual as much as we can uh we'll start with uh, the qualifying um so when it came to practice going into the weekend i was able to watch most of that because i did have, have service when i was uh when i was away there so for the practices, we saw Mercedes kind of come out uh, on the front foot. They showed a little bit more pace, you know, Max maybe shaking off some cobwebs from the uh, Silverstone weekend. Uh, and just overall, the Mercedes looked like it had really, really good pace uh, around the Hungaroring. And it showed in quali- qualifying as well as they locked out the front row. Um, well, when you ship the car in one piece, it technically runs a little bit better. <laughs> and that's also a good thing to point out is like Red Bull did have a good break. Obviously, they had some more bad luck later in the weekend, but Max's power unit getting the all clear from Honda was mm-hmm. a big uh, sigh of relief for them. Which is crazy when yeah. you think of it. Like oh, a 51 yeah. G impact. And you're, yeah. There's ones where like they nick the wall and they need a new power yeah. unit. It's that Japanese um, quality right there. Yeah, I guess so. Hopefully they can keep that up while they keep it in house when they build the Red yeah, Bull Power exactly. Unit yeah. next season. Um, and then we had the two Red Bulls following up. This is, I found that this kind of qualifying that we saw is what we might have expected when we were just like predicting the start of the season. Yes. Like we were looking at the Lewis Valtteri front row, Max Perez right there, and then you know everyone looks like, up. Uh, yeah, all like the midfield. All, you could just literally exactly. Yahtzee, Yahtzee, yeah, exactly. roll the midfield. Um, so yeah, we had Pierre in this case P5 with a very nice performance. Lando P6, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. 
um, Charles P7 for I feel like the 20 millionth time this season. <laughs> um, Esteban P8, Fernando just behind him in P9. And then, so one thing too is these teammates I found are like very, like one, two, one, two, very close and stacked. Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen that a lot this season. Obviously, not with the exception team. of a couple, like yeah. Ricardo again getting way out qualified by his teammate. Yeah, but um, like Esteban's kind of been out qualified a yeah. lot by a little the kind of a Ricardo ish margin this season as well. So to see him up there was nice. And then we had the Aston Martins really close in tenth and twelfth, split by Danny Rick. And then we had Kimi and Antonio thirteen fourteen. Uh, Carlos with a obviously a big crash in Q. Q2 um, ended up being in 15th and then we had Sonoda both Williams and both Hasses bringing up the back end of the grid um, obviously a very start to, when you look at the start and the end of this weekend for Williams uh, George Russell not making it out of uh, into Q2 for the first time this season and after having you know a couple Q3 appearances it was yeah. like we were all, I was thinking anyways you know Oh shit! Like, is this gonna be back down to earth for Williams? And uh, they got some luck this weekend for In sure. In hindsight, though, seeing George not make it to Q three, you should have should have just hammered him right then and there because you're like, all these times made it to Q three before and not had a points finish, and then you, of course, it's gonna be the one time that yeah. he has a terrible qualifying. That's you can never have both basically. That, if you're him, you that's also that's also basically like saying Esteban Ocon hasn't won a race yet. You should hammer him. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> And he would have been paying us. Well, you would have made a lot of quit if you did. Or, you know, I was thinking about a lot of bets this weekend you could have put in. uh, Both Williams to score the points would have been like 250 to 1, 300 to 1. Esteban Ocon to win would have been like 150, 200 to 1, probably. Yeah. But Um, I think the main thing about this qualifying, though, is like, like you said, it's something that we were used to seeing more last year. But the fact, it just speaks volumes about what we've seen this year is that this qualifying grid was a shock to see a little bit mm-hmm. not not so much so but like it's just it wasn't you know it's not like a, a given that you're gonna see lewis on pole position it's not yeah. given that you're gonna see valtry even in the top you know five three four so it was just yeah it's, it just speaks volumes about this season and what we've, we've seen so far that this is not like a your everyday average qualifying result yeah for sure and the last season it would have been right we, yeah. we saw a lot yeah. of qualifyings that were kind of oh is someone going to challenge no and um not just for pole but you know the front we saw a lot i would say the top 10 was normally pretty much the same like we would piece in maybe a couple drivers to finish in the top 10 last season this season we're having you know sometimes we're having the alpines uh up there sometimes we're having the alpha towery sometimes we see the ferraris so it's been it's been great um great to see and i know the sport is absolutely uh growing like crazy uh around the world so it's good to see that in a year like this right before regulation changes that that we can um we can have that kind of growth and hopefully it just continues to go on like that with the new regulations but yeah definitely a flashback of a qualifying i guess you Mm -hmm. because how you would sum it up there varun with your analysis there but um yeah it set up set us up for an interesting race we're obviously going to see you know the main thing we were going to see what we thought we were going to see was the two red bulls really pushing hard and uh we were going to see like you know (laughs) we were thinking we were going to see these red bulls really think about their strategy and try to get on top of mercedes and i think that would have been an exciting race in itself um but instead we saw 
an absolutely crazy turn one that no one had expected, which obviously set up this crazy win that we have been mentioning. So um, I guess, boys, where should we start with turn one? But uh, Mr. Valtteri? <laughs> Not even turn one, just off the line, James. What did you see uh, in his onboard? Oh, it was just terrible. <laughs> yeah, he, he sunk like a rock. I think he was P5 heading into that turn. And then the rest was history. Well, yeah. like, no, that was I think maybe taking one step back even, we had a wet race, obviously. Yes. So we knew. True. Um, we were, were, before the weekend, we were hoping for it. Um, we didn't know what was to come. Maybe we, we didn't want to, well, maybe we did hope for this kind of oh, chaos yes. just for entertainment's sake, but uh, not for the sake of the drivers who were at the, I guess, the uh, unlucky end of it. But yeah, Valtteri came in, admitted it right away, like, absolutely missed the breaking point. Um, took out Lando, who we sent into one Red Bull, and then himself taking out the other. It was, like, perfectly choreographed, you could almost say, from Toto's point of view, but obviously yeah. he didn't do it on yeah. on purpose, but, like, you couldn't have drawn it up better from a Mercedes, like, beneficiary standpoint. Yeah, for sure. And one, one thing I was thinking about when I watched it was, you know, you talk about, like, the perfect storm of, like, domino effects. Like, none of the crash was really high impact or really, you know, jaw-dropping. Like, the crash itself wasn't you know, one where you're going to watch it a hundred times because you think it's like a crazy wreck, but it was literally just, you know, Lando took the outside, which was ballsy, 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 but we saw how much wheel spin Valtteri got off the line. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, missed that breaking point and it was just boom, boom, boom. And we, we mentioned yeah. it, um, in our summary, uh, email for fantasy, but <laughs> the, the bowling ball. Exactly. Well, I was going to say to draw on another Canadian uh, analogy here is like curling almost just the yeah. way that it was like at low speed, just take out one, take out the other. Yeah, and then all the of a sudden, rock yeah, curls it into the it middle of the very, house. Uh, yeah. Well, and was middle of the house was just Lewis buzzing <laughs> up the road and there was just carnage behind oh, him. But yeah. to think like if there is a race to be happy, you were on pole. It is that one. Cause Lewis avoided that carnage. Oh, yes. He was just out in front and, or P8. Oh, exactly. It'd be a good race yeah. to be in P8. <laughs> front or the back. You don't want to be anywhere uh, behind, or I guess right in front of Valtteri's. Well, it's just crazy when you think about it. Like, oh, I'll mention a few onboards here that you can you can obviously see it on F1's YouTube channel. Um, but the, um, the just absolute carnage that went on, and then you'll see some drivers on boards, obviously like Esteban's, where, you know, Stroll... I don't know what Stroll was doing. He went so far down the inside. Like, he was literally looked like an F1 2020 yeah. online driver. Like, he dive-bombed down the inside, and then he was so far that even if he there was a breaking point, which I don't think there was any breaking point the line he took. Like, he was oh, not breaking. Like, he, when he broke, he was already up on the, like, red curb and inside Charles Leclerc's yeah. box. Like, he was in his car pretty much. Yeah. Um, so just to see that happen. And then what I'll mention is like, obviously we have these domino effects going on pretty much down the left side and then stroll just yeet down the right. And then you see, I remember watching one where it's Danny Rick and there's this moment when he's at the apex and it looks like he's like home free. Like it looks like it's going to be him and Lewis just yeah for days, just yeah. them fighting. And all of a sudden spin, you just, yeah. cause the like Ferrari, Charles hits him yeah, yeah. Uh, and through. he just spin, but you can tell, like I'm thinking, I always love to do this when I watch the onboards, like put yourself in their, in oh, their exactly, head and exactly. you're like thinking like he would have had this moment where he's like, holy fuck, like, yes, let's go. Like finally <laughs> yeah. some luck going my way and nope, spin yeah. alley. It was like yeah. that for all the onboards. I watched yeah. every single one and obviously it's, the not, it's not the exact, <laughs> like, not the exact same angle. Cause obviously they can see in their mirrors. So maybe but, you know, they're not focused on that in the first corner. They're trying yeah, to yeah. just get out clear. And for Max, you know, you, you're just driving. You 
mind your own business and all of a sudden you, you're going the opposite way yeah same man. with lando same with uh, uh ricardo like all these drivers checo yeah and then esteban literally looks like moses parting the yeah, and, yeah. Just and fernando both yeah. alpines they're yeah. like oh alpine uh s'il vous plaît merci beaucoup <laughs> yeah merci beaucoup that's uh, basically what it was because yeah you watch those two on boards it was crazy that the the seas just parted as james said that was a perfect way to put yeah. it yeah um and, and there's just the... debris still flying oh, and then they're just like oops God. there's yeah. lewis i'll go oh, it's just it's just a matter of luck in those circumstances yeah. Yeah. like I well mean, oh, I mean, completely you, you yeah. pick your you pick a place where you think you have a little bit of room and i think on even on esteban's like the the stroll thing happened in front of him and yeah. he just broke a little bit and he was just able to break it out and then yeah. kind of move on. Yeah, and, um, exactly. And out. one thing I wanted to say is I'm pretty sure Stroll and Esteban are good buddies as well. So it, it, <laughs> I, uh, maybe I'm just reaching a little bit too far <laughs> here, but well, uh, cross team collusion going on. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Have to we have to say right off the bat these are total total jokes because yes. there's no yes. way. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's actually people in the community that I see writing that are saying that like that Bottas like yeeted himself in there no, on purpose. No, it's like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, again, we talked about it last week. We don't need to go over it again. We talked about it last week, the Hamilton thing. Like no driver does that on purpose. Yeah, like never. Um, it's never going to happen that way. But at the same time, just wild to see the coincidence of it all where um, this certain things happen uh, yeah. the way they do. Yeah. Um, there's no way these drivers are going to potentially kill somebody and cause millions of euros of damage. Yeah. For the opportunity of like, who knows? Maybe both Red Bulls go out scot free, and they're they're yeah. in P two and P three. Exactly, uh, and you're, there's no chance they can predict it. And you're sacrificing your own race in doing it. So I yeah. I never understood like what the logic is there. Yeah, you you yeah. can't say that. Yeah, for sure. So they make it around uh, turn one, turn two, and then obviously yellow flag safety car comes out. And at this point, you know they're following the safety car, and we can see that things are starting to dry up. So. One thing I learned this week is they're on this, while the safety car is out, um, they're not allowed to speak to the driver to give him like, you know, come in box, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't know that before this weekend. So Lewis comes around the final turn and everyone on the broadcast, everyone watching definitely believed that he was going to pit because just how dry everything looked. Um, yeah, that so was that was after the red flag. After the, yeah, after the they red, red flag did eventually because there was yeah, like, there was yeah, yeah. cars parked all over the place. Yeah, so it was it was yeah. a safety car and then red flag obviously and then oh uh, yeah because Perez had to park on the road and, exactly right. okay yeah so once they got rid of the cars then Lewis yeah exactly. had this whole ordeal but you yeah. are right they weren't allowed to speak um to their team so yeah like you said like Lewis, they were they were coming around for the standing start from yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. on the formation yes, lap is yes, when yes, they yes. are not allowed to talk to their team so that's when the formation lap. From after the red flag for the restart, exactly. yeah, got it for the right restart. So, yeah, it was on the way back to the grid. Lewis is the only one that takes the grid. You see that fo- that infamous photo that will live in history. Oh, man, that is an Lewis instant classic right instant there. Classic. Um, I mean, what is he at that time? Obviously, again, we they can't relay these messages, but he's there and he must be like looking in his mirrors and he's like, holy shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm oh, the only yeah. one here. Yeah, like, his heart uh, had to skip a beat. But one thing, before I pass it off to you, Vroom, the one thing I want to mention is, like, him doing that, and James mentioned it before we started recording, you avoid all of the shit that was going on, like an absolute circus in the pit lane. In the yeah. Pit, yeah. We saw an actual DNF occur in the pit lane yeah. just before... You know, Mazepin goes into the pit lane. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Kimi Räikkönen <laughs> gets released out unsafely. Take, unsafely, yeah. he'll take the ten second penalty um, for Nikita to be out of that race. Um, yeah. It was absolute pandemonium because 
after his suspension got hit, the Haas crew members had to like push him out of the way yeah. just so Pierre could get around him and then the rest of the cars could get around yeah. him. Um, it was absolutely crazy. So, I mean, that's one thing that Lewis missed out on, which yeah, is a good thing. Chaos. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, actually listening to Lewis's interview after the race, he could have um, gone to box if he wanted to because he, like, he has a, a moment in time where he sees in his mirror all the cars diving into the pin mm-hmm. entry, and he could have cut in if he wanted to. But he basically explained that, like, based on what they'd spoken about before he got back into the car was, like, um, that he was gonna start on the grid, and he saw these cars diving into the pit lane, and he basically just assumed that maybe his team had better information about the conditions or the weather. Mm. But that well, was not the case. They were expecting him to come in. <laughs> well, also at that point too, like you see a couple cars, and yeah. you, you, I think Lewis was obviously expecting a couple cars to pit, but not take all that of them, risk. Yeah. And then he, yeah, again, then he would get into yeah. the grid, and he would look back and be like, "I'm the only one." Like only he one. sees the fucking Aston Martin safety car, and he's like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing. Yeah. And I was on, I was on uh, Reddit. And one of the memes was like how every all media sees Formula One drivers is like all twenty cars on the grid is how British media sees it and it's just Lewis on the grid. And I thought it was funniest part too. You mentioned the the medical car at the back. Like how many times the medical car actually had to stop to wait for all these cars to come out of the pit? It was it was hilarious. Normally they're just following and they but like this time they actually had to come to a dead stop and wait for all these cars to leave in a single file out of the pit lane. So crazy and a single file it was not because we saw absolute again circus. George Russell ends up getting released from his pit box, not having a place to go in the pit lane. So he just goes <laughs> yeah. right, dive bombs in the pit lane. Yeah, he had a roll right starter, right? right? So yeah. it, was, it was clutch for him. And Yeah, so um, um, he ended up having obviously that, and there was so much shit going on in the pit lane. He had to give those positions back, but yeah. Uh, just, yeah, craziness. And one of those things where, again, we're not going to forget it. One thing I want to mention is having, um, you know, the shock that was in the voices of the commentators – Crofty um, and also it was Rosberg. It was, it was Rosberg. Rosberg. I was just I was like, why can I not think of Nico Rosberg? But one thing I want to make a point of in this podcast to say is that he is an absolute asset to that commentary booth oh. because he takes away the bullshit. Yeah. Like these guys, they like, try to make storylines. Oh, they try to make yeah. they try to blow things out of proportion, and he'll just go, nope, nope, nope. Like there's so many times where you want to hear his voice because he's been there. Yeah, and he's been there like. In, a high, in the turbo hybrid era, he's battled Lewis Hamilton. He's won the title, um, and he's so articulate. So yeah. it was great to see and him. But just the shock in their voices when Lewis was the only one out yeah. was so funny. And this was the point in time when I was telling my friend, I do not even know where to begin. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I did not know where to begin to explain no. anything. Because well, like, yeah. we didn't know ourselves. Like, how is Lewis Hamilton yeah. the only one on the on the starting grid? It made, it made no sense. And I just, I just gave up at that point in time. Well, it was also like what – like, obviously, it was tough for me because I rewatched it after the race ended, and I already knew what happened. But if I was – I, if I was watching that live, I was like, how the hell is this going to end? You're watching yeah. Lewis go out on inters and everyone else pass him. Like, you, when will you ever see that? You'll never see no. that. That's like, like the hel- most hilarious thing to see. Yeah. And like, all you can really think is like, Lewis better get on his horses for this lap and get as much ground as he can mm-hmm. because he's not going to race the rest of the race on inters when the track's drying up. Yeah. And he's sure. going to need to box at some point too. But like, it was, it was just crazy. And like you mentioned about Rosberg, that's a good point because I find he's just so... Um, like not only level-headed like you mentioned, but he you would think that like an ex-driver would have his biases and like towards certain teams But I find he's not he's he uh, talks about Lewis fairly. He also talks about um, Other teams fairly like teams that he would have battled hard and so it's just like like you said He's just such an asset to the broadcast and mm-hmm. um, brings like such in-depth analysis from someone who can relate like when that uh, Alonso Hamilton battle happened that we're, we'll get to like 
um, he was explaining exactly like turn by turn what's going through each of their heads and something that like you know you can only understand by actually having raced and not like yeah. necessarily just by watching for 30 years or whatever mm-hmm. it is that he's Croft so was. calculated too. Yeah. like it just every single thing that Crofty would try to stir up as like a media kind of take he would just shut yeah. it down immediately but I, I, and I don't that. I don't necessarily blame them that much because obviously they have to develop a like flair yeah a little flair like you, we see Netflix do it but um, I think they obviously know that with Rosberg on there that he is going to bring the technical analysis and they can stick to building up the drama the hype and whatnot, yeah 100% so. well they're not going to you know I don't nothing against Crofty I love yeah. his analysis as yeah. well it's just one of those things where sometimes they take it a little bit too far and they try to over dramatize things a little too much it's not yeah. again not the end of the They're world entertainers. but it it's is it's trying to be entertaining i get it um and you know it's not necessarily a bad thing because now we have someone in the booth hopefully rosberg sticks around but we have someone in the booth that a casual fan can relate to with the you know crofty and his you know dramatization of certain things but then you also get people are going to learn when a guy like nico rosberg's in there yeah, he's going to yeah. say certain things that i think people he are going to take from i think he was there just temporarily because yeah. brundle, brundle was away this weekend okay and it's but, also a like good thing actually brundle like he also does bring good analysis like thinking about his uh especially in qualifying he explains it very well that yes the turns yeah. and like which turns are flat out which turns are uphill down i love that kind his of commentary of a flying lap it's exactly phenomenal. It's, yeah. so thinking about that too i mean I mean, there's there's tons of guys we would love to have on the broadcast at all times, yeah, but yeah. I think well, the main point is that with Nico Rosberg on this this race, and you couldn't have had a better race for him to be on. Yeah, it was it was definitely added to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. he added that like bottom line is he adds that assertiveness yeah. where Brundle might he wouldn't necessarily jump in and say something controversial, whereas Nico would like he yeah. just he'll just say it how it is. Yeah. Um, because he basically you know he's a huge name in the sport. He's a little bit more modern as well so just a um, tad and he, yeah and he keeps then up Martin Brundle yeah he keeps up uh like not just because he's retired now doesn't mean he's like laid back and just um before every race like I'm sure a lot of our listeners um also are aware of his YouTube channel yeah. Rossberg's YouTube channel mm-hmm. and before every race he gives a turn-by-turn analysis of um the track so he he knows his stuff like uh, I know it sounds obvious to say for a former F1 driver, but he keeps up with it. Yeah. He, it's well, not he's just... been with Sky for, like, on and off, exactly. like Jake said, temporarily yeah. Yeah, for so. years. So, no, it's, he's definitely a good good person for the sport to have. <laughs> 100%. Um, so, back to some of the results and the stuff we had, just kind of talking about the race. So, talking through it here, obviously, I refreshed, saw Latifi come out of the pits there in P3. We saw Ocon P1 and Vettel P2. They had a little bit of a gap uh, out front there. Um, for Thanks the majority the of the rows, thank, yeah. thank honestly, he held yeah. uh, the rest of the pack at bay, starting with Yuki Sonoda for a good a good amount of time, and yeah. um, uh, you know, got to give him props for the race that he did. Uh, just kind of to polish off the Williams thing, uh, just that little piece. That, you know, this is the part in the race where they really earned their points. Um, you know, and we were talking before the podcast that mm-hmm. you know were these points on merit, were these pro- points on luck, and you know we tried to split it up, you know, 70, 30, 60, 40 type thing when it comes to sixty percent. Obviously, majority luck, but yeah. there is some merit, and the merit here comes with the the Williams strategy team and the willingness of both those drivers to do whatever it took to win. And one of the coolest parts of the race was obviously when George Russell came over the radio and said, you know, if you need to compromise my race to get Nikki into the points, do it. Like he wasn't set. He would, he wouldn't even care. He'll take the, the, he would have took no points. I think if it meant Latifi could score one point, being a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and that comes back around to the conversation of George and 
George for the Mercedes seat. And like, they think they talk that, you know, Botas is so valuable as a sidekick driver, but George in that same seat is going to offer you more talent and he's going to be a team guy as well. Yeah. And oh, he's yeah. proving that now yeah. with, you know, he just proved it. If, if there was any doubt, he just proved it with letting Nicholas Latifi uh, mm-hmm. outrace him yeah. and, and kind of prioritizing his race and yeah. something that none of us would have ever guessed that he would score more points than George. <laughs> and you know what? Oh, this season God. could end with Latifi scoring more points than George, it could. It which could. is crazy yes. to see. It could. Like, and it's um, just, of course, it's one of those races where it happens like that, like that both Williams score their first points. And it's just overshadowed by Ocon winning the race, you know, like Mm -hmm. both Red Bulls DNFing, it could go on and on, but like, of course it happens like that with uh, just tens of dozens of other storylines in the same race. Yeah, well, in in my mind, uh, as much as I love the story of Esteban winning, uh, that is my favorite part of the weekend is the two Williams with the double points, like watching George Russell, like in tears in his oh, interview, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, everything like that. Like you can tell how much it means to these guys. And honestly, if it was me, I'd be crying too, because the shit that they've been through, yeah. um, has been absolutely grueling these last three years. And, you know, not to say that Esteban doesn't obviously deserve a lot of credit. He's been through a lot as well, but he's not on a team that is as bad as Williams. He's never yeah. really been on a team as bad as Williams other than I think maybe when racing point was yeah. bad, he was there, but, um, like he's always been semi-competitive. Like obviously a race yeah. win means a lot. And this, oh, yes. in all reality, this might be his only ever win. Uh, that's a very likely thing that he could be a one-time Grand Prix winner. And th- that could be the case. Um, but just, I can't get over the fact that both these Williams and the points, I absolutely love listening to their interviews. And we do have to obviously shout out our boy Latifi, fellow Canadian, oh, yeah. uh, Toronto lad. I can't remember the stat, but I feel like obviously he joins like Jacques Villeneuve and I can't remember the other Canadian um, to score points. Lance Stroll. Obviously, yeah, Lance Stroll. No, with maybe with Williams. Lance Stroll's obviously done it. So maybe that's it. Yeah. I don't know if Jacques Villeneuve was with Williams. But also, all, but anyways, <laughs> TV uh, redemption for the Canadians because Stroll did not yeah. get to our country crowd in that race. So at um, least we had Latifi. Big time. Back. But I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but it's pretty cool to think that there's two Canadian drivers on the Yeah, board. of 20. Yeah, possible. of 20. That's yeah. one thing um, that we, I don't know if we're We yet. got some rich daddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, Latifi's got points, so that's. that's oh yeah, they have legitimate talent. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's not not like the Russian rubles coming in at the at Haas. Exactly. Yeah, I think the the whole like stroll pay driver narrative is like is quashed by now. It's, yeah. He he deserves to be in the sport. Maybe his is the Latifi pay driver gone? Uh, I won't <laughs> say so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can talk. Let him get a poll. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. I feel like the poll really for Stroll. Get really... him out of Q three or Q one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, then true. maybe we could talk. But yeah. I back to that though. I do think the Stroll thing really squashed that when he got pole. Yes. Uh, that was big. So yeah, we'll see. We'll hopefully see some more from Nicholas and uh, maybe some confidence because for me he's always felt like an unconfident driver. Like I don't think the talent's not there, but he's always to me he's always felt like timid and. Like yeah, last year, not, rookie season, yeah, yeah. you can see that. Yeah, so really, he can, he's coming into his own a little bit, a little bit this year, so yeah. I, I do like it. For sure. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll, we'll kind of polish off the Williams chat there, but that was just epic to see, again, my one of my favorite parts of the weekend. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, you know, the rest of the race, we saw a lot of epic battles. We saw Max Verstappen battling with Mick Schumacher. With half a car. With half a car. Mm-hmm. Absolutely epic to see Mick uh, holding his own. And how great was bit. that quote from him, too? Not bad for half a car with that overtake. Yeah. Yeah. It was just... Uh, Max was leaning and on that for sure. he managed to get, I think, 
P9 finish at P- the end? Uh, P9 with the DQ, yeah. 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 So, so a couple points. It could be the deciding factor at the end of the season. Oh, exactly. Because we're, into, we're, into, we're into the single digits in terms of, like, difference in the yeah. championship, right? So Yeah. Well, they yeah. very easily could have uh, DNF'd that car. And, exactly. Yeah, like so you the said. fact that he managed to scrape two points out of it, like, that, he's, I mean... Every point matters at this point. Yeah. Which is and just... For, I'm sure they're not happy about the weekend, but the fact that they can find a single silver lining in Max getting those two points, uh, that's all they could really hope for after the start they had in the turn one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the rest of the grid's going to be like a quicker sum up, obviously, because we had a lot of DNFs. But um, we obviously, the other main battle we want to chat on, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, is that Alonzo Hamilton battle from lap like 55 to 65 yeah. or something around there. Ten, 10 laps of just absolutely epic classic driving from uh, Fernando. Like he was just placing the car in perfect positions, yeah. clearly outpaced by the Mercedes, but the lines he was taking into these corners were absolutely epic. This, this was a time where he knew he had to defend Lewis if his teammate was going to get the mm-hmm. win, as James mentioned earlier. And just watching this masterclass uh, of driving, go on is was absolutely unbelievable the, the highlight package on the youtube channel it helps the onboard package helps you uh really appreciate. appreciate it but there's nothing like watching the race start to finish and seeing the you know trajectory of the race happen and then knowing the importance of that battle yeah so that's one thing it's kind of like the climax of the movie where yeah. you see like the hero and the villain battle i guess yeah. Um, as much as I, I feel like the Formula One community is so divided on whether Lewis Hamilton is a hero or a villain right now, but <laughs> we'll move on um, from that. Obvi- and also to mention, he had hard tires that were like seven or eight laps older mm. than Lewis's mediums. Yeah. So he was just like, again, just world class what Fernando was. What James reminded me of, like we saw during the race <laughs> that made us laugh, was um, they had the, the AWS analytics pop up and it basically said the di- uh, overtake difficulty for Lewis on Alonso is two bars. Yeah. Two bars. Like in two laps. Yeah. It'll be super easy. And yeah. what do you know? You end up with like a multi-lap absolute crazy battle. Like that was just yeah. the pinnacle of the sport. Just seeing two um, well-established experienced drivers battling in a clean way. Like yeah. obviously they didn't DNF each other. They, they had a small instance where they touched, but even yeah. Lewis after the race on his Instagram story said like that is that is like what you want to see. There yeah. was a there was a point where he thought they got close, but he wouldn't want to have it any other way because uh, it ended up clean. And yeah, I'm sure he was a bit he was maybe a bit more accepting of it because he did end up with the overtake. But yeah, um, but yeah, it was just amazing to see. And also that new Alonso or that new Alpine livery helped a lot. <laughs> and you can see as well. Like I don't know if it was from this battle specifically or if Lewis. He said he's still dealing with some like COVID post oh, effects yeah. as well. But like him on the podium. I don't know if it was from that little battle itself, but like it took a lot out yeah. of him that race. The whole, and the he, whole race. he was like legit blacking out on the podium. Yeah, yeah. and Ocon Ocon uh, touched on it too because he was talking about how like the it was maybe worth mentioning when we talked about the circuit itself. But apparently, this circuit there is no part of it that gives you any sort of rest whatsoever. Yeah, Just there's the no layout long, of it. like super straight. So yeah. so you were drained from start to finish. You were like constantly pushing uh, and fighting the car. So. That could have contributed to it. Like it's interesting because I didn't hear anything about it before about how Lewis uh, is still dealing with some, I guess, after effects of COVID. But we do know that is that is kind of a thing that can happen. So um, to see it like affect him in that way, and it obviously was scorching and hungry. Yeah. Well, well, not just not like obviously not just to say it as a COVID thing, but you mentioned just the gruelingness of this track. Yeah, you have. 
So the track itself is grueling, but then you also have the way that this race panned out. Lewis had to work the hardest to get back to where he was. Oh, yeah. Because yes. he pitted for, uh, on the enters to the end of the grid. Um, and, yeah, it was crazy. It was weird to see him. Well, I thought he, he was going to pass out when he was on the podium. Yeah, crazy. no, I, he, he was. Like, yeah. he straight up was having That's why I was, like, holding him up. I guarantee like, if you give... Max, if you give Charles any opportunity to be in Lewis's shoes to battle through the grid, they would have taken that oh, for sure, and yeah. ran with it. Oh, so for it's sure. just like, you can't really be like, so, oh, Lewis, it was, you, you know, him being like, having that such difficult uh, scenario that he has, oh, poor him, he has to battle through the crowd. It's like, yeah. he actually had a car that was in one piece. So, well, I mean, exactly. he, he, it was a little give and take that he had, but like, maybe it was Fernando's battle that put him in that like little haze after the race but like it clearly took a, sh- a lot out of him yeah. oh yeah well yeah. and the other thing too is like if people ever want to question the the uh, the physical exertion that it takes to be a formula one driver you said any other driver would have been in lewis's shoes and taken oh, that yeah. but it's the same thing they all would have been feeling the effects of that kind of thing and i'm yeah. sure there was you know even esteban said he was so tired just holding vettel off for as long as he did and they were they were even talking like uh now that uh, we've talked about it. It reminded me, like, in, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Friday practice that Lewis talked about. He lost two and a half kilos just from uh, sweat alone oh because of how God. hot it is at this track. I so, missed that. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane, like, how much, because uh, they, they burn well over, like, um, I, I thought it was, like, some number of thousand calories. I per, think it's a thousand calories in a, in a race. So, yeah. I could use a couple laps around the Hungarian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, it just goes to show, like, how uh, grueling it is. And, like we said, with the layout of the circuit, um, and then on top of that, having to push the whole time, nothing coming easy for Lewis in this race, like mm-hmm. easily could see how could that could aggravate it, whatever symptoms he might be still dealing with. So yeah. glad to see that he's okay now and, uh, flew out of there. Okay. But yeah, yeah definitely another storyline. Where was the cottage this weekend? Uh, it was up in the middle of nowhere, like Northern, Ontario. Northern Ontario. No, Northern Ontario. I was going to say, if you're on that side, it's basically getting points towards your super license. No. I don't know. Maybe you could have gotten a few laps in and burned a few At the Hungara Ring? Yeah. Maybe I'll do it on F- F1 2021 and I'll uh, see if I can burn some calories while I do yeah, that. Yeah, in, in the old thumbs there, right? The old th- <laughs> well, no, the boys, we've been talking about going to a simulator. We got to get, oh, yeah. we got to get, we have to do it where we can take some videos and see who's the uh, quickest over one lap of Monza yeah. sometime on a simulator. I feel like that has to happen. Um, I'm also starting to get ads on my Instagram and Facebook about like the go-kart championships around here. So I feel like I might have to join up and see how the boys can do but yeah it might be a little too heavy for that two uh six foot two so i don't know if that's gonna work but esteban ocon just won a race and i'm pretty sure he's six foot at least so yeah um, there's some hope there's some hope uh so yeah basically uh, to sum up the lewis thing he ended up finishing p3 um in the race and then to move on to one of the saddest parts of the weekend uh, Lewis was moved up to P2 ba- because of a uh, Sebastian Vettel disqualification as Aston Martin was not able to siphon the necessary one liter of uh, fuel out of the end of the out of their tank to provide a sample to the FIA. Um, so just a little backstory about this boys is that they obviously in the regulations you need to have uh, there's points over the weekend where they test your fuel um and you need to provide at least one liter to the fia whenever they ask for it uh that you can't you can't like take apart the car to get the gas out it has to come out like naturally that's one of the things um this all has to do with the the uh cost cap regulations where they don't want 
so what happens is every team submits their fuel sample at the start of the year. So this year it would have been Bahrain. They would have submitted their fuel sample and then they test that fuel sample every race weekend from there on out to make sure it matches that one in round one. Interesting. So that means like no one's, no one's fiddling around. No one's trying to like put more money into like some kind of fuel that's going to give them tents and stuff um, moving on. So, you know, all the teams are aware of this. Uh, it's a super big shame that, you know, one of the questions I had was like, if they had 0.3 liters, why couldn't they just test that and have enough of a sample mm-hmm. to be, to march it back to the original. But again, these regulations are so set in stone that if it says a liter, it says a yeah. liter. It's a, it's, um, I think it's like a word of the rule type of yeah. thing. It's like, obviously could have tested the 0.3, but the rule is a liter and like, you can't really just go around making exceptions that way. So yeah, to and, it, lo- and to lose P two off that oh exactly was just and you can tell it jogged all that way too. I know car just stopped. That's just like kicking the dick. But and and to mention uh, like to piggyback on your point, Aaron, about how like big of a deal this regulation is. I saw this video from Mercedes a few weeks back, and they literally have a position. There's uh like they have positions within the team and your sole job is just to make sure that you're meeting these regs. Mm-hmm. There's a, so for Mercedes, and I'm sure every team has it, like they will throughout the weekend, go to the team, make sure they're getting all the required fuel samples and making sure that they're not only staying within the regs, but that the car is able to provide whatever they need to the FIA to meet these testing requirements. Cause obviously it has big implications. Like you could lose uh, points off of it. So to, to just emphasize how big of a, um, uh, consideration this is there is actual people on this team who their sole job is just to like make sure everything's uh set in terms of that yeah so i guess this brings me to my point is you know i consider myself to be a petroleum dispenser engineer because i pumped gas in high school for four years <laughs> so if aston martin needs a petroleum dispenser engineer to kind of work with sebastian vettel's team i'm free i will move to england and do that job so let me know. I'll travel around with the boys and become Seb's uh, best buddy. And I'll make sure that you guys get your fuel samples. So yeah. um, that'll throw that out in there. But all jo- all kidding aside, though, uh, actually, I'm not kidding. That's kind of a real offer. But um, <laughs> if, <laughs> uh, you know, this room mentioned it, like, they, you said that these people, that's their sole jobs. And to all calculations, there was enough fuel. They just couldn't get it out of the car without oh, taking the car just, apart. Yeah. So it's like... That's part of the regulation too. The car needs to be yeah, stay in yeah. one piece. So there's so much shit that happened that was just so unfortunate. Um, you know, we were talking about it earlier that it would have been such such a big shame if you know they would have won this race and then been disqualified. The P two still obviously hurts a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, a big big podium for them, a big podium for Seb. He's been absolutely awesome this year. So and it's just like just another kick in the dick for Seb, like you said, like. Uh, I think even on the Instagram post from Formula One explaining the DQ, Seb commented on it, and his reaction was literally just the laughing face emoji. Because I don't think he has an Instagram. Oh, oh. He does, but I don't think he runs it. Someone okay, else, okay. Someone else has to run it. Okay. I don't see Seb as a guy that goes on Instagram. Yeah, but I think I think I could see it as just like a nice reflection of what he would have felt in that point. Though yeah. it's just like, yeah. of course, like of course, right? You know, after all he's dealt with in terms of bad luck and stuff, and finally to catch a break like this and on a crazy man. race, and then boom. DQ so yeah, and for him crazy. to be so close for so long for that yeah. race it's just yeah. so tough 
But on a light or more lighthearted note, like you said, James, it was just hilarious seeing these drivers <laughs> jog back to the, and then especially for Esteban too, because he was just running back to the the through uh, the pit lane, through the pit lane, and his teammates were coming up one by one, congratulating him, and they had nowhere to go. They don't, they didn't know where to go. Like, do you go like try and find Esteban on this like four <laughs> kilometer circuit, or like do you just wait at the at the? Anyways, it was just hilarious to see like what a way to cap off like a crazy race, just having these drivers like have to jog back to the, the yeah. pit lane. Well, and the the F the uh, post race show with Will Buxton was wild because they kept they kept having all these drivers called to the stewards um, station oh, because yes. of like like Esteban got called there because he crossed the finish line twice. Yeah. So they were like there was one point where they were thinking like what's the penalty gonna be here and then the, obviously the Vettel thing they had. Um, Carlos. But Carlos was like told he had to go because they radioed to him on a formation lap. So like many drivers got called that and there the for that. Carlos reaction to so getting funny. told about it was, it was absolutely. Was I'm meme. sure all of you guys have seen it, but yeah. Oh man, just um, another meme. So yeah, unfortunate for Seb. One thing I do want to mention too is he was wearing the LGBTQ uh, mask and shirt in the pre-race ceremonies, and I believe he was fine for it because yeah. Hungary has like anti-LGBTQ yeah. laws. Like, yeah. So he was like, I think they're trying to like cur- they either currently pa- are trying to pass one or just recently yeah. passed it. So it's like really big, a hot topic there. And yeah, so, him and Lewis were being big advocates over it yeah. for this weekend. And, and I, I love to, to see that because obviously like there's so much uh, attention that gets drawn to like whenever, like what is F1's responsibility with regards to racing in countries yeah. that don't have proper human rights laws. Like obviously a lot of controversy with Saudi Arabia. And I think it's awesome for the drivers to, you know, take the fine, like show that you care more about what's right than yeah. like um, just doing what's within the rules and whatnot. Because if yeah. the rules are corrupt, then then it shouldn't even be fine in the first exactly place. It's so a joke that it even has to be yeah mentioned. And, and it was nice to see lewis come out and back Seb up for doing that obviously big rivals but um this is like something that's bigger than racing so nice to see yeah it. yeah for sure so yeah um you know tough end result for tough Seb. end result yeah. for Seb. He deserved better after the you know the weekend he had and he's again been one of the drivers of the season if we look at it we're now at the summer break in my my opinion he's been one of the drivers of the season just based on you know how much of a fall off we saw with the rate from the racing point to the Aston Martin to begin this season and how far behind they were and the performances he's put in uh have been a very very big thing to see based on you know how bad he was in the Ferrari last season so I think comeback driver of the year you know one of the drivers of the year whatever one you want however you want to say it I think he's got to be up there when you talk about that conversation um get thinking boys because that's how we're going to end this podcast is your driver of the first half I want to get your takes on that um but we'll just go quickly up and down the rest of the grid we saw Carlos finish uh, ends up getting bumped up into P3 and this obviously isn't the first time this has happened it happened in Brazil in 2019 uh, with McLaren and he um, is a 50% ratio for getting podiums and actually being able to go up on the podium Uh, so obviously he's my he's my guy he's my favorite driver so to see him get a podium um, you know if if Vettel was going to go out I was happy to see Carlos up there um, but I guess, you know, we would have been happy to see Fernando up there as well because uh, he was driver of the day. We mentioned it before we yeah. talked it, talked about it. He finishes in P4 after the Vettel DQ. Uh, and then we had Pierre Gasly with an absolutely immense drive. He Fast was tangled up. Yeah, he was tangled up in that first lap of the yeah. incident. He was able to come back around, finish with the uh, P5 and the fastest lap, which is great to see in that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with this track the margins are so fine where you can have an alpha towery nick the fastest lap um and obviously with the wet 
at the beginning it helped because not everyone started on the softs to set that kind of precedent. Um, and then we had his teammate Yuki right behind him, the boy next door. He had <laughs> a little bit of a spin late on in the race, but he was able to, George was far enough back where he was able to just kind of keep it and coast in. Uh, then we had Nicholas Latifi finish in seventh, collecting six points for the Williams Mercedes F1 team. And uh, yeah, Williams, double-digit points. Double-digit <laughs> points there at 10. <laughs> from zero to double digits, how are you? Crazy. George Russell coming in with four points in P8. Um, just an absolutely epic performance. We've, I've mentioned that before as well. And then Max, James, your boy, he just absolutely muscles that car in to two points, um, which, again, could be big. Those are two points that, you know, a sprint race is worth some of those points. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of that uh, single-digit action going just on. salvaging. That's all that what race was for Red Bull. Yeah, exactly. And another salvage after his 10-second um, penalty for Kimi Raikkonen, finishing in 10th, getting that last yeah. point and taking out our boy Nikita. So good day at the office for Kimi. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo obviously was uh, had a very, very damaged McLaren and wasn't able to yeah. get any points. Uh kind of unfortunate as uh obviously his teammate was out as well um but then we saw um mick schumacher finish in 12th and then Giovinazzi. i believe he might have pitted late i don't know why he was so far back or he would have been maybe had an injured car as well but uh 13 drivers finished and then we obviously had dnfs from mazepin norris bottas perez and charles and lance um, so yeah, gentlemen, uh, we're going to give a quick update on the standings as now, obviously we're into the, the summer break. So we have an absolutely tight battle with Mercedes at the top with 303 followed by Red Bull with 291. That battle for P3. And oh, then yeah. that battle for P3, as James says, tied, tied, tied oh, oh, going into the summer break, Ferrari and McLaren. Oh, that's going to be good. Uh, Ferrari, I guess would be a head on count back as they have a P2 finish. Um, Alpine jumps ahead of Alpha Tauri with 77 points and Alpha Tauri like I mentioned with 68 Aston Martin with a again that's so tough for them that 18 point deduction that with Vettel being disqualified mm-hmm. down to 48 mm-hmm. that would have been with an Alpine just having the weekend of their lives yeah, so yeah exactly the weekend of the year for them I, I don't think it can get much better for Alpine um, and then we have the Williams Mercedes in eighth place going into the summer break. Jumping, oh, up, there, jumping up there, absolutely proving a lot of people wrong with 10 points. And then Alfa Romeo with three and Haas yet to score, as Will Buxton would say. Um, over to the driver's side of things, we see Lewis coming into this summer break with 195 points. So close behind, 187 Max Eight. Verstappen. Eight points separates them. If you told me this at the start of the year, this is crazy. This I would have guessed, you know, that Lewis would be leading, but I don't think that I would guess that Max would be that close. Or then, that Max was leading it just two races going yeah, by exactly. 30 plus points. Yeah, exactly. So. 100%. <laughs> and then uh, our boy Lando Norris, McLaren, 113 points. He's really proving that he's an elite driver this year. Uh, this weekend was obviously, unfortunately, his first race this season where he did not score any points. Uh, Valtteri in p4 with 108 who's really came around the last two races sergio perez uh you could say getting outperformed by a guy like lando norris this season you might have thought they'd be swapped positions or thereabouts with 104 points carlos Sainz takes the lead over his ferrari teammate uh i'm happy to see this 83 points for him and 80 for uh charles 
I think it's just one of those things where a lot of people weren't giving him the credit, I don't think, at the beginning of this season, but he's just proven that he's uh, he's also an elite driver. And then we have Pierre, P8 with 50, tied with Daniel Ricciardo with 50. So, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo having less than half the points as his teammate is just crazy. Um, we No one would have guessed that going into this season. Wrapping up the top 10 with his big win, we have... Ocon to believe it, Esteban Ocon with 39 points, absolute haul this weekend of points, and Alpine, um, his Alpine teammate Alonso with 38, uh, Vettel as we mentioned with 30 points uh, in an Aston Martin that he's really carrying that squad I would say um, in P12, then Yuki Tsunoda in his rookie season with an impressive 18 points, uh, followed by Lance Stroll also tied it with 18, then we got our boys the Williams, Latifi, Russell 6 and 4. And the two Alfa Romeos led by Kimi Raikkonen and the two Haas yet to score. So, gentlemen, we'll wrap it up real quick with our uh, drivers of the first half. You mentioned him becoming, James. making a name for him being elite. Mr. Lando Norris. I that feel like. That would be it for me. That would be. He's just outclassing Daniel in so many regards. And I was, I was going to, at the beginning there, I thought it was going to be the other way around. So, mm-hmm. like, he has to be the driver yeah. for me. Yep, I would agree. And I hate to be unoriginal, but I got to agree with James here. Mr. Lando Norris, like, making a name for himself. Elite, like you said, Aaron. Yeah. And it's just, it's scary to think of where McLaren would be right now if it wasn't for Lando. Because with Daniel struggling, mm-hmm. um, they mm-hmm. would be nowhere near the position they're in right now. Yeah. They're right. a driver as young as he is with, you know, the trajectory that he's had in his career. Like, how quickly he's risen to, mm-hmm. to like, this level of uh, ability. It's just crazy to me to yeah. see it. And, like... I don't know. It's just uh, every every race it seems like it gets better, and obviously some tough luck this weekend. But mm-hmm. um, they can't all go your way. Exactly, and the way he handles himself too, just an absolute class act. So yeah, for sure. he, he he earned his contract. Absolutely, 100%. and like I don't think McLaren's sweating about that whatsoever. Yeah. No. So maybe, it's, maybe they might be sweating about Daniel's biweekly pay, <laughs> fifty fucking points. Yeah. But other than that, I'm sure. I mean, I I might just sound like a broken record at this point. I think Daniel will come around. There is something going oh. on. That, they, he, he he needs a summer break. He needs a summer break, yeah. and like we saw it at Renault in his first year, he struggled, and then the year after, True. he absolutely came in and competed. So yeah. I we know he's a good driver. We know he has a good car. It's just a matter of putting the two together. Yeah. Enough. Daniel, yeah. if you want me to buy any more merch, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pick it up a little bit. Yeah, honestly, um, yeah. So for me, it's got to be a three for three sweep with uh, Landon Norris and. I think a lot of people in the community will be agreeing with that. Got to give an honorable mention to my boy Carlos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's just been the best new driver at a new situation. Uh, he's been, you know, consistent for me and came back from lows. He's almost won a race in Monaco. So mm-hmm. um, for me, he's my he's my honorable mention. And uh, yeah. And I I've got to give an honorable mention to Sergio, our boy, because it's just been a long time coming for Red Bull to have a second driver that mm-hmm. can do what he's doing right now. So. Obviously, uh, there was so much, con- not controversy, but like speculation about what would it be? Would it be another uh, Alex Albin or would he be another Daniel Ricciardo on Red Bull? So, and I think he's proven the latter. So definitely got to give him some credit because he is helping Red Bull in that championship battle right now. Well, then I'm yeah. going to throw in another honorable mention <laughs> of another Spanish speaker, Fernando Alonso. There I, we go. I completely go. thought he was going to be nothing at yes. the beginning of the year. So especially after last weekend, you're only good as your last race. Okay. Maybe it's a little recency bias, but... I'll just I'll just close out the second place honorable mentions with another Spanish. And if our listeners remember back on our preseason predictions, we absolutely gave no respect to Fernando. So that is uh, well deserved. Yeah, eating those words, I'll have my hand up and say uh, we were wrong, big time. But uh, I like it, boys. I like that roundup. I like those honorable mentions. So 
Uh, yeah, thank you guys for all the support in the first half of this 2021 Formula One season. Uh, we'll be checking back with you guys in three weeks' time for Spa. Should be an epic race, and uh, it's a very racy circuit, so hopefully we'll get some more crazy action there. Cheers. <laughs>